Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the Kingdom of Heaven into your spheres of life. And so tonight I want to give you a taste test because we can have all kinds of perceptions as to what God is like, maybe based on media or family experience growing up, maybe the professionals on TikTok or social media that tell us maybe through a bad church experience that you've had or by watching some Christian person before. But tonight I want to go straight to the source and we want to discover who the real Jesus is. Because if you want to go right to the source of what God is actually like, what you want to do is discover who Jesus is. Because Jesus' disciples, His followers, were watching Jesus throughout His life. He would, he would heal people of all kinds of sickness and diseases. He gave the most wise teaching that anyone's ever heard. He saw people even raised from the dead and his followers are like, Jesus, they're like, Jesus, you know, they pushed one of them forward, the most confident one. They're like, Jesus, give us like a, a preview. Give us like a, a behind the scenes look at what God is actually like. And what Jesus said to them, he said, well, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you see me, I am the mirror image. I am the complete exact representation of what God is like. So if you want to know what God is like, he's not far off, un- unknowable. He is known through Jesus. And so, Starting this Sunday, we're actually starting a new series called Who is the Real Jesus? Would the real Jesus please stand up? Okay, all right, thank God that none of you stood up. Apparently there's a guy on the Gold Coast that would have stood up. I saw on Current Affair recently. But but we're going to look at who the real Jesus is. For the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the encounters that different people had with Jesus, the historical Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, who still lives right now for us to discover what God is actually like. And so tonight we're going to have a look at one encounter and by the way, you're all invited back. We'd love you to continue on just like you at the Netflix, the Netflix series. It just loads up and you can watch the next episode. We want to, we want you to preload the next episode ready to come back next Sunday. We're invited back as well. But but what we're doing tonight is having a look at an encounter that Jesus had with a woman at a well. At a well that 2,000 years ago was a really, really old well. It's called Jacob's Well. And Jesus was at the well in the middle of the day and then came a woman to draw water from the well, as they did. They didn't have running taps in those days, and so she came to draw water from the well. And so a little bit of a history or background about what this woman was like. Number one, she was a Samaritan. Now that might not mean much to you, but in those days, Samaritans were like a byword. They they were the scum of the earth in the eyes of the Jewish people. The Jews thought they were a lower race. They did not dare associate with them. They were scum. They were lower than. They, they were just a, a, just a bygone. They, they were nothing. And so she was a Samaritan woman. And also she was a woman. And in those days, according to the Jewish culture, you were demeaned and devalued. You're a second rate, second class citizen if you're a woman. But not only that, but she was a social outcast. So the Samaritans were outcasts, but she was like cast out from the outcasts. Because as you see from this discussion she has with Jesus that you can read for yourself in John chapter 4 from the Gospels, that she had been married five times. She was currently living with her current boyfriend. In other words, for that cultural time, she got around town. She was very well known around the town and maybe a little bit too intimately. And so she was called all kinds of words that would describe a promiscuous woman. And so she was a social outcast even from her own people evidently because she came to draw water at the well at noontime. And the reason why she did that, she didn't want, didn't want to be around anyone. See, back in those days, it was, it was tradition and it was, culturally, it was a cultural norm for the women to gather together in the morning 
where it was cool out before the heat of the day to draw water from the well. It was more like a social outing. And so here was this woman on her own, isolated, living in shame. And she was scum of the earth, according to other, some people's points of view, maybe to her own point of view. And here she was to draw water from this well. And you know, although she had a physical thirst, this well that she came to draw from also in this account represents a thirst that she has for something so much more. You see, she's been from relationship to relationship to relationship, searching for something that would satisfy the deeping, deepest longing of her soul. And she couldn't find it. It was, it was elusive. And the more she tried, the harder she grabbed on, the deeper she got herself into pain and rejection and self-isolation. You know, in a similar way, a lot of us have been or are searching for something more than just physical water. We're searching for a few things. We're searching for belonging. Where do I fit? Where, where do I fit? Where, where do I belong? Did you know, actually, interestingly, according to research, that there's actually a loneliness epidemic in Australia? This loneliness epidemic apparently is going to be one of the, a, a cause a great economic cost to our nation. It's, it's on the verge of becoming a great health ec- epidemic. And this study was done even pre-COVID, let alone during or after. And apparently, according to this research, loneliness affects your health more than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so if you're married, your quota is you can smoke 14 cigarettes. So that might be good news for some of you. No, okay, no. <laughs> We're seeking for belonging. Where do I fit for purpose and meaning in our life? Where am I going and why am I here? You know, according to one university study, 78% of those surveyed says their number one goal in life was finding purpose and meaning to my life. That's what they cared about the most. I want to find true purpose and meaning to my life. Um, 60% of those surveys said they had, a, they had a marked degree of an existential vacuum, a feeling of total and ultimate meaningless. This is depressing. An inner emptiness and a void within themselves. You know what? They were, they were honest because the Bible actually says that God has set eternity in our heart. And only something as big as eternity can fill it. Only God can fill the deepest longing of our hearts because only God is big enough to fill the void that we have. We've been created and designed to be filled with Him. Some of us are looking for identity. Like, who am I? Who am I? And so what we do in this world, as we very well know, we self-identify with all kinds of different, and, and, and limitless array of self-identification, hoping and seeking for validation. Would you, would you validate my identity? But the ironic thing is the very ones we're looking for validation from are looking for our validation as well. And we lead ourselves in this sort of downward spiral. I know it's very depressing, isn't it? <laughs> we're on this search. But you know what? What I love about this story is in the middle of her thirst and this woman's hunger, Jesus turns up meets her at the well. He didn't step into her life or rock up to the well that day because Jesus wanted water. He wanted this woman to be free and to find what she had been searching for and thirsting for all along. Jesus saw a spiritual thirst in her that only he could satisfy. And so he begins a conversation with her and she's shocked. She's, she's, she's walking to this well. She's just, I'm just going to do my thing. Oh, she's like, oh, there's a guy here, man. 
thought I was going to be alone. She's like, what you doing? Big communion. And so she's drawing water, minding her own business. But then Jesus begins a conversation with him. He initiates a conversation with her. She's like, blown away. What's this Jewish man talking to someone like me for? And then this is what Jesus says a bit further on into the conversation. He says this. He says, anyone who drinks this water, this physical water from this well, anyone who drinks from this water will soon be thirsty again. And you and I know that. She's like, duh. Yeah, and? But you know, it's true, isn't it? You, you drink physical water, you, you, you want to go back for more. I don't know if you relate, you relate, but sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm like, I'm thirsty. And you, gotta, you, just, you just shove your head under that tap, you turn that tap on and you gulp. Does anyone do that? A couple of gulpers in the room, okay. You get thirsty again, of course you do. But what he was referring to was, of course he's talking about physical water, but he's using it as an illustration because he's saying, this well represents everything that this world has to offer. If you drink from what only this world has to offer, you will be thirsty Again, you have to go back once, you go back again and again and again and again. You'll never truly, truly be satisfied. And some of us think, are convinced that, well, maybe I can fix this, this thirst, this spiritual thirst, this search for something eternal with success in my career, maybe in my business. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves. They're great things, but they're not necessarily big enough to fit what fits into an eternal space in your heart, we look for success, maybe increased success, maybe a greater level of status, maybe from promoted. If I can just get a better house, a better car, a better girl or a better guy or a girl or a guy, maybe we can get more TikTok followers or Instagram followers. Maybe we can change my appearance then. Or maybe you, you just know that you're not. It's, it's an elusive search. And so what we do, we cover it up. We cover up our thirst with, with, with different substances and us in a more empty place than we were before. Or maybe someone's told you, you know what you need to do? You just need to look deeper within yourself and you will find the true answer. Wow. Jeez, I'm going to have to go digging a long time. <laughs> Ain't no answer down there, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, for me, I relate to the woman of the world. Maybe you can relate to the woman of the world. And I think that part of the reason why she's renamed, she's nameless, so we can insert our name in this account. You know, Jesus wants you, wants to meet you in your world. You can drop your name in there. You might better relate to some of her experiences because this is what it about is about. It's about Jesus. You encountering the real Jesus, not a plastic Jesus, not one we see in other places. You know, for me, I relate to the woman, this woman of the world. There's been times in my life where I too have felt lonely or the pain and, and you go on a search, you know, the endless scroll that you go through on Facebook looking for that elusive something. It's like life. We're just scrolling through life. As a teenager, our family was sort of torn apart. My mum got breast cancer and I kind of got depressed and things. And I began to, although it was from a Christian home, really, it was, it, it hadn't quite dropped from my head to my heart. And so I was searching in this world. I was drinking from this world. And at the end of the day, I'd still be left there at night, looking up at the sky or in the darkness, left with my pain, left with this elusive search, this search for this elusive satisfaction. But then what Jesus said to this woman, he says, anyone who drinks from this water will become thirsty again. But he said, but those who drink from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. He 
it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. It becomes a well that is takeaway. It's portable. It goes with you. God's Spirit. And you know what? When you've got God's Spirit in you, it is eternal and it is big enough to fill the greatest void. It becomes a well that springs up and bubbles within you. The very life of God Himself pulsating from the depths of who you are where nothing can hope to ever compare to the satisfaction that comes when you drink from this eternal water. You're not going to find it at a well. You don't need to go to a building. You don't need to go on a retreat. The Spirit of God, the presence of God can go with you wherever you go. And so what He was saying to this woman, He said to her, you've tried everything else. You've gone from relationship to relationship to relationship and you're still thirsty. And you know, in the course of this conversation, this woman, she's just, can you imagine? She's just, (laughs) her mouth is just open. She's like, who are you? Who are you even? You've just sort of walked into my life and at this point, it's like this spiritual thirst that's been laying dormant within her soul for a while because she thought that, that this spiritual encounter was so elusive and far off because she was told by the religious leaders that if you want to know God, you've got to travel all the way to Jerusalem, which is a long way off in Samaria. You've got to go to the temple over there. You're not good enough. You're Samaritans. And, she's just, and she just looks at herself for her own life. She's like, that's, there's no way that God will ever be interested in, in someone like me. But something has been stirred up in her heart as a result of this conversation. And she's thinking, man, ah, oh, I wouldn't mind some of that water. If you've got that kind of water on offer. But then she's like, he doesn't know about my past. If he found out about my past, there's no way he will be talking to me at all. He'd, he'd, he'd have me written off. Maybe some of you have thought that about yourself. Maybe you thought, yeah, the other people, but not me. You've discounted yourself. Other people, but not me. Jesus wouldn't meet with me. God wouldn't be interested in me. But then what happens is Jesus actually brings it up. You can read it yourself. It's like he, he went there. He went there. He brought up the fact that she had five husbands and was living with a boyfriend. And, but do you know what he did? He didn't do it to expose her, but to heal her, to bring freedom. See, if you want healing from an infection, what you do is you don't pretend it's not there. You go to the infection and you go right to its source. And when you clean it up, then true lasting healing can actually happen. And so Jesus came. He met her at the well. He exposed what was happening, not to, again, expose her, but to bring healing and freedom and liberty into her life because he wanted to set her free. And she's like, my goodness, she's just blown away. I've never met a man like this. (laughs) I've never met someone like this. And then this gets to the pinnacle of the conversation. This is one of the most phenomenal moments in the entire Bible. This very moment. And she begins to say in verse 25 of chapter 4 this woman then said she, it's just like just overflowing out of her mouth pops the question it's just like been laying in her heart for so long she says I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ anyone a Matrix fan over here any Matrix fans is it called, isn't it called the one or something the prophecy about the one did you know that hundreds of years hundreds of years earlier maybe 500 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, the time and place of his birth, the time, the manner of his death, his resurrection, prophecies made hundreds of years earlier. These prophecies were there. They read 
them in the book and she says, I know one day the one is going to come, the Messiah, the one that's been prophesied. And he will explain everything to us. All this stuff you're saying, it's like making sense. He's got to explain it to us. And then one of the most profound responses in the Bible. And then Jesus told her, he said, I am the Messiah. And she's like, and her mouth was here. It just hit the floor, crawling. She's like, what? Oh my goodness. You, she's like, you shouldn't be here. You're not allowed to be with me. You can't hang out here. You, you're meant to be with the, with the elite male religious leaders in Jerusalem. Not with a dirty Samaritan outcast like me in the middle of a desert. You're not meant to be here with me. And God was absolutely blowing her mind. So her perception was that God was only for the Jews, only for one race, clearly not for the Samaritans, not for women, and especially not for someone like her. But here, she didn't need to travel to Jerusalem because Jesus traveled to her. Come on. You know, Jesus met her in the middle of her mess. He met her right. He didn't wait down the road until she cleaned herself up and got her life together. And she did a self 10 step improvement program. And she finally got all of her ducks lined up in a row. She got a finance there and her looks in her body and whatever, whatever, all the kind of things, the pressures that you think and the tick in the boxes that you have right now in your mind that you need to get ticked off in the box so you feel a little bit better about yourself. Maybe stop this, clean up this a little bit. And she was in the thick of her mess. Yeah, Jesus stepped right into her life. He met her right in the middle of her mess while she was still in her sin. And instead of being scared off by her mess, Jesus came to take care of her mess for her. You know, there's a great verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that just sums up this moment so succinctly and beautifully. It's from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, it says, but God demonstrates His own love for us, for you, in this. See, God doesn't just talk about His love. He acts, you know, there's so much talk about love these days, isn't there? You can post about love and you can talk about love, but love actually, true love will cost you something or cost someone something. But God demonstrates His own love for you in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still in the middle of our mess, Christ died for us. He paid the ultimate cross. He paid the ultimate cost. See, on Good Friday, it was a bad day for Jesus. It was His worst day, but it was your best day because Jesus prepaid for your sin on Friday. Before, he, before you were interested in Him, before you cleaned up your mess, before we cleaned ourselves up, while you were even on your worst hair day, this morning in Albany, you spoke to someone's like, I didn't have any makeup on. I forgot to put on my makeup. And I was like, even before you put on your makeup, <laughs> Jesus died. Jesus died for you. He loves you in your worst moment. Think about your worst moment, right? Jesus prepaid. He died for you so much that He loved you. So what did she do? Whew, she drank. She drank like never before. And she found a new identity. She found belonging that day. She found an identity. She was no longer identified with all the names that people called her, the colorful language of a promiscuous woman, but she had an identity as a beloved daughter of the Most High God. She found her belonging. 
She was forgiven of her sin. She was washed of her shame. She encountered eternal life welling up from within her that satisfied her deepest spiritual thirst. Now, some of us here are also at our well where nothing else has worked. You know what? You might, your life might look like you've got it together on the surface. You might wear a bit of a smile, but still, at the end of the day, you know that nothing has satisfied this thirst. But tonight, God says, I am the one who loves you. I am the one. I'm the true one that gives you life. I'm the one who heals you. I'm the one who satisfies you. I'm the one that gives you a hope and a future. I'm the one that forgives you, lifts off the shame of your life. I have created you for purpose. I've created you to belong to me and your life will never be the same again. And this woman's life, again, insert your name here, her life was changed forever because she met the real Jesus. And you know, tonight what we're going to be doing just right now is showing you a video of Lisa who goes to Oceans Church in Albany. And she, like this woman, went on her search. She was thirsty for some of these things herself. And she shares a story about she found her ultimate thirst was quenched in Jesus. And so why don't you look to the screen to hear her story. Hi, my name's Lisa and I call Oceans Home. So life for me when I was growing up, I grew up in a small country town. I moved to boarding school like everybody did. And, you know, for 40 weeks of the year, you're without your parents. And as much as it's wonderful um, doing your own thing the whole time, like I just never had any guidance that grounded me. Things were just never easy. Growing up, mum was busy, she tried so hard. And so I was in year 10 and I, you know, I just kind of fell in with the wrong crowd of people. And that's where I met a guy that just groomed me so well at the age of 14. And he was 26 and he just said all the right things and did all the right things. But I learned really quickly that I could use this as a commodity. I could use my body as a commodity to uh, get exactly what I wanted. Um, because if everybody else could use me, why can't I use me? To hide my absolute brokenness, I just partied harder and you know slept with more people and you know halfway through year 11 I decided that I should come out as being gay and so me and her were together for a year and a half and then I just decided that I'd had enough of this stable life and I just wanted to move on and I always saw it as more of a conquest to sleep with as many people as you could and date as many people as you could because that was what success was and that's when I met this guy that he really just wasn't good news. I was so confused and I just knew that if I was going to keep going down this path with this guy and the way I'd been partying and drinking every night of the week and I was standing on the doorway of alcoholism and I was standing on the doorway of a knife addiction. And I remember saying, I was sitting in the lounge room one night all alone and it was just a crap night and I said, God, God, if you're real. And then I went, but you're not. And and then I just got really, really drunk and went to bed that night and just thought, oh, it's all good, I can carry on. That set in motion, I think, a bit of a God challenge and he just started pursuing me without me realising it. Within a couple of months, someone had invited me to my grandparents' birthday down here in Albany and um, I came for a weekend and something was just different. And I went back to the town that I was living in and my workmates were like, what's, what's happened? Like, 
you're just not settled, Lisa. And I said, I think I just need to move to Albany. I don't know what it is. I just need to move to Albany. And I came here with $50 to my name and two bags. And this Sunday morning, this is random Sunday morning, this show came on and I thought, oh, it's interesting. And at the end of it, they said, you know, if you want to know more, find a local church. And I was like, I could do that. I could find a local church. And, and so I Googled a local church and I, um, I walked down the road and went to a church and, and these people were just, just astounded that I had just rocked up to church all by myself on a Sunday morning. About six weeks in, I had, I had realised that I probably need to do this, this, this salvation prayer thing. I kept on hearing about it and, you know, I was having on a crash course of learning Christianity and I was like, okay, cool. And so I kind of prayed the prayer in my room at home and and I was like okay cool is that what we do or like the next Sunday as as worship finished I just had this overwhelming sense just I was just so overwhelmed and I was just crying and crying and I, I didn't even know what was going on and and I just turned to one of the mums in the house and I was and she just saw me and she knew exactly what to do and uh, she took me out the front and the pastor prayed for me and all these people were around praying for me because I could just feel this like overwhelming battle inside me and I could just feel this like this peace coming from God and I could feel this overwhelming grumpiness and anger from the devil and I didn't realize what it was and then I heard God say it's over you've lost I've got her when I prayed this prayer the urge to drink alcohol and to take drugs just went and I just woke up feeling so free and safe and that's when I realized that God was real and that this is what they've been talking about my life was forever changed and now I have an amazing husband of you know we've been together for 16 years married for 15 years he just loves me for me and we have three kids together it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what you think about church. God loves you and he's just so desperate to have a relationship with you. He is just calling you home. Come on, let's give it up for Lisa. How awesome. I think Lisa might be watching. Hi, Lisa. It's great to have you. She's in Albany, but whoa, how impacting is that? On this search, but she, she's like, she heard God say, devil, it is over. She is mine now. You know, she said that the, the thirst for drugs and alcohol and all that left because she, her thirst was quenched with the living waters that Jesus came to offer in that moment. And so, you know, for me as well, I remember in my brokenness, as I was thirsty, looking for something, I'd go to all kinds of places and end up in that place where my thirst wasn't quenched. But then over the course of time, I began to encounter the reality of God's love in my life, where I no longer looked for the affirmation from external things, but I was affirmed and I knew I was loved and I belonged to God as my loving Father, as my dad, that'll be with me no matter what. So I don't need all this stuff out here, although it's good and I enjoy it. I know that I'm safe. I know that I have an identity that will remain no matter what happens at all. And this is God's offer for you. Let me tell you, there is no better drink. I used to love Coca-Cola, but you know what? It's not the real thing. Jesus is the real thing. If there's one verse that sums up the Easter message, it's this. From John 
3.16. It's a world famous verse. It's an excerpt from the words of Jesus himself. And it says this. He sums up the Easter message with this. For God so loved you. He so, so loved the world that He gave. He gave. It's a love that gives, not a love that takes. That God gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him, whoever you are, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, whoever believes in Him, trusts in Him, not performs or behaves or, or fixes yourself up, but whoever simply trusts in what He has accomplished for you on the cross shall not perish be separated from Him forever, but that you shall be given eternal life. That eternal life welling up within you starting today and enduring for all eternity. But get this, I love this final line. This is my favourite. It says, For God didn't send His Son Jesus into the world to tell the world, Oh, you're all bad with a big wooden spoon and you're... He didn't send Jesus to tell us off and how bad we are. He actually sent Jesus to help us, to save us to lift her up just in the same way that God sent Jesus to the woman at the well. You know, if it was the, the male elite religious Pharisees from Jerusalem and they met her at the well, my goodness, they might have given her a bit of a hard time. But that's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus met her in the middle of her mess and He didn't go there to tell her off. She went there to say, I love you. I want to help you. I want to heal you. I want to pour out my life and my love. I see you. Well, you've been rejected by others. People see you and they fling dirt at you. I see you as pure, as clean, as lovely. You have an eternal worth. And you know what? From that point where she met Jesus, Jesus went on back to Jerusalem himself, not to become a religious elite Pharisee, but to die on a cross for her. Not a, not a stink, not a thought. As Jesus was hanging there on that cross, he's thinking about this woman at the well. This woman at the well who we don't know, and he had her in her heart saying, I'm doing this for her, and he did this for you. He gave his life for you on that cross, that you might know God, the real God, the real Jesus. And so now here Jesus is, this is, a spiritual well moment right now. We're not in Israel in the desert, but we're here right now. And, and Jesus is here. And right now He offers exactly the same drink that He offered her. He's saying, drink from this water and you will thirst again. But drink from the water that I give you and you will never thirst again. So God's invitation is for you to drink tonight. You know, some of you here might be going, I've never drunk from that well before and I want to give it a crack. I want to try, I want to try that water. Can I encourage you to do it? Maybe you've drunk it before and you, have, you haven't drunk it for a very long time or you threw it out or whatever you But tonight, you know what, you want to drink it for the first time? Or maybe you want to, you want to come back to God. And so what I'm going to actually do, if you're thirsty for forgiveness, if you're thirsty for that real kind of love, not the kind of love that the world offers, for true belonging and purpose and meaning and life eternal that begins now that will last forever, then I want to invite you to say a prayer with me in just a few moments. This is a really phenomenal, holy moment. You know, I know it's Sunday night, we're going to go home, we're going to eat, we're going to do, but now is a real spiritual moment. And can I invite you to be humble, to be humble. It's, it's, it's a key. Jesus said that He gives grace to the humble, to those that go, I'm thirsty. Now I don't need a drink. It's okay, don't need a 
It's, it's okay if you don't want to drink. It's absolutely fine, but you remain thirsty. But the humble go, yeah, I need this. And then when you're humble, God pours out His well, His grace, His forgiveness on your life. And you put up your hand, you're like, yeah, count me in for that drink. And so I'm just going to say a prayer. And this prayer, essentially, it, it, it's summed up by going, God, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping from drinking from this well. It's actually called a, a, a theological term called repentance. What does that mean? A change of mind. It's just, God, I change my mind. I'm, I'm not going to drink from this well. It's a, it's a pretty good well. It offers pretty good things, but it's not what I need. I turn from living for myself, from living my way. I turn, and now, God, I surrender. I give, take my mess. Take the good parts. Take the messy parts. Take all of me, God. I give myself to you, and I put my trust in you. And I put down the cup of this well, and I pick up the cup of your well, and I want to take it with me. And so I'd love to lead us through a prayer. So if we could just all close our eyes in this place. And if that is you tonight, whether you're watching or listening online and tonight, you, you want to come back to God. And maybe for the first time, you want to say, yes, God, I want to drink from you. Then I want to encourage you. We're all going to pray this prayer out loud together under our breath. I'm going to lead you through this prayer. Why don't you repeat after me? And you know, as you pray this, Jesus sees you and he will Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will, will be saved. So why don't you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me and you meet me in the middle of my mess. I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. Right now, I turn, I turn from my sin open the door of my heart and I let you in and I drink the spiritual water that only you can give I confess you as my Lord and my Saviour I'm finally coming home Lord I thank you so much for those that have opened their heart Lord God right now I'm praying for you now Lord God I thank you for those that have opened the door of their heart and why don't you just receive by faith just faith it's not by jumping high, but just switch on the tiny bit of faith that you might have. Why don't you, by faith, just begin receiving from God. In fact, every person in this room and online, not only those that have prayed the prayer for the first time or come back to God right now, why don't you open up your heart by faith, receive our fresh outpouring of the living water that only Jesus can give. I just see cracks opening and the ground opening up. And there's a well that is like an artesian well that is welling up within you right now. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon you. You have new identity. You have new belonging. You have new worth. I thank you, Jesus, and declare, God, that the old has gone and that the new has come tonight, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that you're moving in power, Lord, that people's lives are transformed and changed and shift, Lord, from this moment on, God, where once they were called something, but now they are called sons and daughters of the Most High God. I thank you that you lift their heads, God, that you release healing in this place, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, where the devil meant to destroy Jesus tonight. You've drawn a line in the sand, Lord God, and you said, I've come to bring life. I've come to bring healing, Lord. I've come to bring freedom in Jesus' name. And so, God, I thank you for what you have done tonight in this place, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. We all said, can we just thank God tonight? How awesome. So good. Hey, do you know what? That is the best decision. If you made that decision, either online or here with us tonight, is 
I know that it seems small, but can I say a seed seems small at the beginning, but it is significant. You know what? It's, it's, it is the most important singular step you'll ever make in your life. But can I tell you, it's the first step. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.